صباح المسلم Good morning James how are you doing this morning Good morning pleasure to be with you Thank you for joining us uh, the first issue that we All pick up on United Arab Emirates ways leaving OPEC the cartel of oil producers Indeed, uh, it's not the first time that a Gulf state would leave OPEC. Qatar has done that in the past. Now, Qatar, of course, is primarily today a gas producer, not an oil producer. And so, therefore, OPEC in many ways had less relevance to it. In the case of the UAE, it's really about if, uh, the freedom to produce at whatever level you want to produce. Um, the UAE quietly had made clear last uh, last uh, last fall when uh, OPEC raised its uh, or cut its production by two million barrels and sparked a crisis, particularly between the United States and uh, Saudi Arabia. It made clear at the time that it didn't was not in favor of the production cut. In fact, it has long been demanding that it be allowed to produce more than the allotted qu uh, OPEC quota. And so now what it's doing is it's say, basically uh, looking at saying, we don't need OPEC. Uh, we don't want those kind of restrictions on production. We're leaving and we'll just be in, uh, uh, essentially become like Russia, OPEC plus, which is membership in OPEC, but not, uh, which is uh, cooperation with OPEC, but not membership and not bound by its decisions. Interesting development. Uh, then we move to Israel. Israel's Benjamin Netanyahu says he has secured agreement to form the country's most far-right government to date. Indeed. So he had until midnight last night Israeli time to inform the uh, Israeli president on whether or not he had succeeded in forming a government. And he has done so and with the 64 seat. Uh, with a majority in, uh, of, six, uh, of three seats, four seats in the Israeli parliament, that government is certain to be uh, uh, approved. It's the most far-right, most ultra religiously ultra-conservative government that Israel has had, and it potentially puts uh, Israel on a, a collision course with just about everybody. Amer uh, American Jews are in uproar. Uh, basically, American Jews are socially and politically liberal. Israel is becoming increasingly more um, more conservative and hard-lined, certainly towards the Palestinians. Um, there are conf major potential conflict issues with Egypt and Jordan, the two Arab states that first uh, signed peace treaties with Israel. Uh, and on top of that, you have a Republican... Uh, right wing in the United States that increasingly is Christian nationalist and anti-Semitic, yet is one of the pillars of, um, uh, of uh, U.S. support, grassroots support for Israel. So this is quite a, a, a toxic mix, and we'll have to see where it goes. Iran puts West on the spot by pushing for revival of the Iran nuclear deal. Indeed. So you had this week uh, the sec what is called the Second Baghdad Conference, which was held in Amman, which really is about support for Iraq. 
and mending Iraq's uh, regional relationships. But both the Iranian and the um, uh, Saudi foreign minister were there. There was some degree of, there was some kind of encounter. We're not really quite clear what happened, whether it was just greetings or whether there was a meeting of substance. The uh, Iranians, however, have basically said they want to revive the, uh, the uh, international nuclear agreement from which the United States walked away. Uh, and they suggest that the Saudis want to engage in further dialogue with the Iranians. The problem with this is, of course, that Iran is in turmoil. Um, it's now had four months of anti-government demonstrations. It's reacting increasingly harshly to those demonstrations. Uh, two demonstrators have already been executed, although they were accused of violence against security forces. Uh, and going back to a negotiating table, certainly for the United States at a moment like this, would really be bad optics. And so by emphasizing revival of the Iranian nuclear deal, the Iranians are putting certainly the United States and the Europeans on the spot. As Middle East conquers Asian sports, Arabs could create their own regional federation, carving up Africa and Asia. Absolutely. So uh, we just had the World Cup, of course. It's, that's not the finale, it's the beginning. If you look at the uh, calendar of international uh, or Asian uh, tournaments that have already been um, awarded to Qatar and Saudi Arabia, <clears throat> as well as what the uh, Saudis, the Qataris, the Egyptians, the Turks, potentially the Moroccans are bidding for in the next 15 years, including the 2030 World Cup, the Olympic Games in 2036, uh, the Middle East has arrived, is, is basically become, become a sports power. It's, it's about four years ago, the Saudis tried to carve out a federation of their own that would have included um, South Asian and uh, Middle Eastern countries. That flopped. Uh, the notion now that they would carve out an Arab federation would basically mean that the Asian Football Confederation would lose a third of its members who come from the Middle East. North Africans, <clears throat> Morocco, Mauritania, Egypt, Tunisia, Libya would have no choice but to join that federation, which means that the Confederation of African Football would lose at least seven of its members. Yes, yeah, so a rather interesting times, undoubtedly. James, thank you very much and wish you all the best over the festive season. Thank you and season's greetings. All the best. Thank you. Thank you for availing yourself. Uh, that was James Dorsey. Listeners can subscribe to James' news blog, uh, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer. You can check out uh, some of his articles on www.jamesdorsey.net. And anyone wanting to uh, get uh, access to that can send me a message and I'll be glad to share with you the link. It is jamesmdorsey.net.